I'm Bridget Owens, and you're listening to the Waxing Soul Podcast, where we're adventuring into the world of mindful modern magic and authentic spiritual practice. It's July 21st, 2022, and today I'll be revisiting the topic of emotions and spirituality by talking about three approaches to workings and spells to raise and uplift yourself with feelings of joy. Are you ready to grow your soul? Welcome to part two of the series where I'm revisiting the topic of emotions in spirituality from the series I did last year. And this time I'm talking specifically about spells and workings centered around these emotions. And today the emotion is joy, which I think it's going to become clear very quickly if it wasn't clear just from the first episode that each emotion we bring up as a topic here puts an entirely different spin, a whole, a whole different direction from which to consider the creation and execution of magical workings. And this is one of the reasons I always shy away from giving like specific instructions or outlines for magical workings is because I don't really ever do a working the same way twice. So from my point of view, from the way that I approach magic, it is far more valuable and useful to cultivate this ability to break a spell down to break an intention down into elements, to look at your intent from a strategic standpoint and create a custom approach to the working on the fly without needing like a recipe. So that's kind of what I want to convey with all of these. A much broader way to think about magical workings and spell work than maybe gets conveyed in a lot of resources. So back to the topic of joy. Now, of course, it doesn't make a hell of a lot of sense to do a spell to bring more joy into life because that's such a broad and not well-defined idea. But on the other hand, so much of what we do in our practices is really all about building an existence which has more room for joy, right? But like I said in the original series I did last year, the thing about joy is that we have to do some self-examination and some introspection to really get in touch with what it means on an individual level to experience joy. Like, what brings me joy doesn't bring everyone joy. We have to each be in touch enough with our deep selves to understand what that means. But when we do have that level of self-awareness, then the type of workings that make the most sense are those which help clear the way for more joy. Because it's hardly ever a problem of not being able to access things which bring us joy, which make us happy, because, you know, which are, you know, sources of fun and enjoyment. The the problem isn't that they aren't accessible to us. The problem, nearly always, is that there's something which makes us feel we shouldn't find joy in those things, or there's something we've declared to be a higher priority than joy, or there's some kind of other perceived sacrifice we have to make to be able to indulge in our sources of joy, you know, something negative that's a consequence or a price to pay for joy. And that's not, it isn't a universal truth that we aren't supposed to freely experience joy unless we go through some kind of resistance or difficulty or whatever. That's, that's something humans have invented. <laughs> so the barriers, the roadblocks, which stand between us and those things in life where we find joy, those are a great focus for banishing type spells. And I know probably this is another case of, you know, where it, it if you've learned or done banishing spells, you've maybe mostly used them to push people out of your life or to ward against specific, you know, types of entities or energies. 
But all the things which stand between us and joy can at least be conceptualized as entities and energies if they aren't obviously one or the other. And sometimes, you know, it is a person or a specific type of persona, which is the barrier that's in our way. And, it, and actually, the things I personally most often use banishing workings for uh, is specific thoughts, specific bits of self-talk, which also is a big part of what keeps us from joy. So as weird as it might sound on the surface, I would say the first major type of spell work for increasing joy in your life is banishing. And I personally love using fire for this, writing things on paper and burning them, <laughs> or lighting up the fire pit and, you know, burning symbolic objects safely. When you're doing fire stuff, do it safely, be careful, get a fire extinguisher, all of that. Um, but I've also, you know, you can write stuff on like tissue or small bits of paper and like flush them or uh, dissolve them in a container of water. And I also like the approach where, you know, so I've mentioned before that my introduction to ma magic concepts was a book about feng shui. And although I would never purport to be a feng shui expert by any means, I, I'm not sure if it came out of that first book or if I picked it up somewhere else. But if there's something you want to sort of reflect away from you, like return to sender type banishing, where it's the, you know, a type of energy that flows in your direction and you need to turn it around and send it back, especially in conjunction with making your home or a space in your home specifically set up as kind of a space for joy, for filling it with joy. Um, placing a mirror on the wall with the reflective side facing to the outside. So, um, so like, I'm realizing now how hard it is to describe things like this just with audio. Um, like, if I wanted to stop and reflect a particular type of energy coming into my house, I would probably draw a symbol or a sigil or something on the non-reflective side of a mirror and then hang the mirror, a small one, it doesn't have to be a big one, but hang it on the wall with the reflective side against the wall. And then put something decorative over it so it doesn't look silly in the house. But, you know, it's also not visible outside. It's like a kind of a ward, a continual banishing for whatever it is. Um, you know, specifically focused on not allowing the types of energy and entities into your space, which keep you from tapping into your sources of personal joy. But of course, we can also do spells, which are geared towards, you know, geared towards that, towards manifesting and accessing those sources of joy, which is next on the list for today. Year two of the Waxing Soul podcast is all about ideas in action. Join my mailing list at BridgetOwens.com slash podcast for a weekly self-growth challenge, plus all the latest news and more fun stuff. Now back to the episode. Here's where we finally get to a big topic in magic in general, and that's manifestation. Uh, when we're looking to bring more of something into our lives, as magical practitioners, it's kind of the obvious thing to do workings to manifest or attract whatever it is. And in the case of joy, I think, honestly, I feel like that's what most practitioners are attempting to do most of the time when they're doing these kinds of spells. We're trying to bring the things into our lives which are good which fulfill our desires and needs. And it's because we want to be happier. We want to have more joy. But I do think it's a little more, maybe not complicated, but something that we'd do well to give more thought to. Because I'm all for doing whatever pre-work needs to be done to increase the likelihood of a spell working. And that's what most often gets neglected in magical practice. 
So here's a few things to think about. Less negative emotions doesn't necessarily mean more joy. It just means less negative emotions. So like if I'm stressed and upset because I'm dealing with a bad relationship with a coworker, if I sever that relationship and get rid of that source of stress and negative emotions, I've created more space and more capacity for joy, but I haven't created more joy. Banishing or warding off the things which hold us back from joy only increase the joy in our lives if we, if we, you know, have sources of joy in our lives. So it's not just a matter of solving our problems and therefore being happier. It's entirely possible to, listen, I think we all know people who thrive on drama, right? <laughs> thrive on stress and negativity and stirring the pot. And it's probably because when they don't have sources of stress and anger and outrage and all of that in their lives, then there's no comparable source of joy there to fill the void. And then it's just like boredom and emptiness. And if they don't know how to find joy, if they don't know what makes them feel joy, they go back to what they know. So it's super important to do the pre-work before you get into your magic to figure out what it is that brings you joy. Yeah, it's more deep self-work. But it's super important to do because when, when you do know what really makes you happy, what really makes you feel engaged and connected and full of joy, then it's a lot easier to craft a working to attract or manifest more of those things. Once you do know what those things are, I'll, my absolute favorite form of spell work for manifesting things is sigil spells. And I mean that in the chaos magic way of, you know, specifically. And here's the thing about manifestation or attraction spells in my magical worldview. We're not making something exist that didn't exist before. We're not having to pull in something from like some other dimension here. The stuff that brings us joy, you know, if, if the only things that bring you joy are things that don't already exist in your life that aren't already available to some level, then, I mean, there's more work to be done internally anyway. In reality, this is largely, largely an issue of perception shifting and opening those pathways for these things to come to us and not be blocked by all the other crap we tend to throw in the way or allow to be in the way. And sigil spells are a methodology which largely works on the subconscious, on the deep self level. Now, the creation of a sigil itself is... The exact way you do it doesn't matter. <laughs> I do think that using the methodology which requires you to literally draw the lines to create the sigil on paper is best because the more you, you know, the more work you do with it, the more you engage the creative part of your brain, the more effective you'll be. But if you like using an app or whatever, if you have some other system, that's cool. The important part of how to effectively use the sigil is what you do after it's created. It's not used like a, like a lot of symbols are just charms or talismans or whatever. They, they're used as a sort of a shorthand or a representation of a spell something that contains the intention and the power in itself. And you just like, you can draw the symbol on something and there you go. And that's a, that's a fine methodology for other applications. But for this, for this attraction and manifestation thing, I think it's far more effective to use the sigil as a focus, which then gets destroyed. And most importantly, forgotten about, which is challenging, I know, <laughs> which is why I think the, you know, the key is in the method of destruction. And here's where I've had the most success by doing, by using creative methodologies. Specifically, what I've done to get great success in the past 
is to create the sigil, transfer it to a canvas or something you can paint on, and then while in a meditative mindset, getting into that sort of trance state, if you can, paint around the sigil. Let it guide the design at the beginning, but as the painting develops, just paint over the lines, let the evolving painting obscure the sigil underneath. And then when it's done, hang it up or give it away or whatever. The goal is to let that whole idea exist only in your subconscious and not in your conscious mind. So that going forward, your subconscious mind will drive the magical process. You'll make choices and notice things and set priorities on autopilot to clear the way for the sources of joy that you want more of in your life. And although it might seem like more psychology than magic, it works. And a lot of magic really is spicy psychology, but not all of it. And I think that, you know, the most important way to do magic for joy is to do magic with joy, which is the methodology up next. If you love the waxing soul, connect with me online. BridgetOwens.com is the central hub for all my projects, including books, card decks, and resources. Go there to get my latest book, Deep Self Magic, to connect as a potential podcast guest, and to find out all the latest news. Also, find me on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook as Bridget Owens Magic, and on Twitter as Waxing Soul. I think one of the things that too often get missed or forgotten about when we're building a magical practice is that magic and witchcraft are meant to be positive. And not that being a practitioner is all like white, light, fluffy bunny, fun and game stuff, or that it's always about positive things, but it's empowering on a literal level. It's about what we can do. It's about what we choose to do uh, with our innate abilities. And so Even though being in practice, being a witch or a magician or a practitioner or whatever you call yourself is absolutely going to be challenging and sometimes difficult, it's not something we have to do. It's something we choose to do because we know it is something beneficial. It's a tool we can use for whatever purposes we deem, you know, important. The thing is, it's not just the end goal that we choose, right? It's not just what we put our magic towards that is an important choice to make. It's also the type of magic and the ways in which we choose to work that magic. We choose that. And the manner in which we choose to do magic has an impact on the outcome. Not that one way is by default better than another, but we're working at least in part with our own innate abilities. And like I said in another series I did about the basics of magic, there's a kind of special power when we tap into the things and methods and stuff that, that, that really align with the stuff we enjoy and find particularly interesting. The stuff that flips our switches. And that includes the stuff that brings us joy, for sure. Incorporating the stuff that makes us happy, the stuff we enjoy doing into our magical practice, not just as intentions and motivations and end goals, but, but as methodologies and tools. So like, for me, I'm... I've always been a crafter and artist. I've always used my spare time to make things, to design and create things. And so a lot of times when I do a working or when I'm figuring out the best way to do a spell or whatever, I tend to lean towards making things, crafting things, making a special tool for it or creating even, you know, stuff when when I talked about doing sigil spells and destroying them in the process of art creation rather than in a more traditional way. So Like if food and cooking bring you joy, then doing kitchen witchery type stuff is going to be more powerful for you, more effective for you. 
Um, not because it's special and powerful in itself, but because you're tapping into a source of joy as a source of emotional energy. And this means too that if you don't really resonate or find joy in something, don't force yourself to use it all the time just because you think maybe that's what's expected. Like I don't write rhyming lines to recite in spell work because that's just, I'm not a person who enjoys that, even in like poetry. It's not my bag. But it, if it is yours, then do that. Do the joyful things. Use the music that brings you joy. Uh, in fact, it's also really good to think outside the box on this stuff too. Like work your favorite pop culture stuff in where it's appropriate. That's a form of modern storytelling and folklore. If you like shopping, make it into something more magical than just a way to acquire magical things. You know, the things that fit your aesthetic. Use that. Fit your magic to your aesthetic because it brings you joy. Even if it doesn't feel like how magic usually is. So what I want to suggest here, because it's not really a specific idea or strategy, but it's just to be creative with your spell work, be creative with your workings, be creative with your practice overall. And specifically, when you're doing that, put yourself into it. Put your own personality and likes and sources of joy and inside jokes and things that you, you know, all the stuff that kind of defines the things, you know, that you are and the things that you like. Put that in your practice, even if it means that your spells and your practice doesn't look like everyone else's, <laughs> especially if it means your spells and your practice don't look, you know, like anything like anyone else. <laughs> because that joy energy, that feeling of having fun, of doing things you like, of feeling really connected and invested in what you're doing is a really powerful source of energy and magic. That's what magical energy is, right? It's what comes from those connections, what ties us into the world around us. And joy is one of the most powerful forms of it. Thank you so much for listening. New episodes of The Waxing Soul drop every Thursday. All materials and resources except the music are copyright Bridget Owens. Many thanks to my readers, listeners, friends, mentors, inspirations, and my family for riding with me into season two. And until next week, blessed be and be good to yourself.